Well, thank you, Lord. It's a, what an opportunity to um, give the word this morning, and let's all pray. Father God, I pray that um, you'd use me this morning to deliver uh, what you desire for our congregation, uh, for my, me even personally, Lord, uh, that you're speaking to us, and I pray that we would all have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Not only that, Lord, help us to be obedient to those things that we hear from you. And um, I just pray, Lord, that you would grace this word with your Holy Spirit's presence and breathe life upon it. Um, that it would not return void, but it would perform what you intend. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You know, last week, uh, Pastor uh, Tasha did such a great job speaking about Jacob, the life of Jacob, and uh, things that, you know, he went through, and the lessons that we glean from his life, and, you know, it's, there's so much there, so much there in that story, and we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yes. you know, so we serve a God that's very specific, and the, the blessing was passed on through those three patriarchs. And we're the recipients of that. We're the ones who have benefited because of men of faith and men of um, these these um, mighty men of, of uh, old who manifested the nature and the character of God and his plan here in this earth. And, um, you know, there's that, that um, saying that we've all heard before, and I'll... I'll read it from here so don't mess it up I'm not a fan of Shakespeare but it says it's from Romeo and Juliet it's a full quote is what's in a name that there uh, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet basically what it means is that what matters what something is not what it is called what matters is what something is not what it's called. I probably screwed that up. But basically, a, a rose is a rose. <laughs> and it smells sweet. And the thing is, what's in a name? What if it was called something else? Would it still smell like a rose? And basically, it would. The thing is, in life, we've been called different things. You know, we've been called different things by different names. And we're all given a name at birth. You know, we really didn't have a choice in that. Some people change their names, but most of us don't have a, a name that we've chosen. It was chosen for us. You know, my name, I looked up my name and I'm going, ah, I don't know about that name. Uh, the name J. It's the letter of an alphabet. And it's also, they, they, uh, every time it comes up, a little bird, you know, that's this and that. And it flits about and I'm like, this is not very impressive. And then it gets even worse than that. It's like, sort of like a country bumpkin or somebody who's unsophisticated. I'm like, my gosh, man, that's not a very good moniker, <laughs> you know. And then I never thought I'd be married to a woman named Gretchen. In Hawaii, she even said, Mom, why did you marry me Gretchen? We live in Hawaii. Well, I worked with this German lady, and I really liked the name. And I never thought I would marry a Gretchen, but I did, and I love my wife. But it's interesting, and her middle name is Ivalani. And that's a, that's a trip. And she goes, why did you name me Ivalani, her middle name, Ivalani? And then she thought about it, wow, Eva is a bird, and Lani is heaven. So it's a heavenly bird. The Holy Spirit graced my wife. Heavenly bird. What's in a name? You know, what's in our names? Huh? Um, I want to read this story. You know, we're very familiar with this, but if you would turn to Genesis 15. It 
So, we, you know, the father of the faith is Abram before he became Abraham. His name was Abram. And this is in verse uh, chapter 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. This, the context of this, and Pastor Tyler, maybe I can give you some, some um, ammunition for tithes and offerings. This was after the defeat of the five kings and the rescue of Lot. And he meets uh, Melchizedek that's just in the preceding chapter and he ties his 10% to Melchizedek pre-law you know because there's also a reference to Jacob who did the same thing but that's not what I'm talking about this morning it says so here we are Abraham uh, after doing that um, he's he's uh, considering this with God after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying do not be afraid Abram for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Isn't that a good promise right there from God? There's a lot that we could supposedly be fearful of, but if we're in God, there is no fear. When, there, when we understand who we are in Christ, that there is no fear. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able and number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord and he accounted to him for righteousness. That's the beginning of the story, right? That's the beginning of the faith right there with Abraham. It's mentioned in the book of Romans also. Be uh, pre-law, pre-law that Abraham had a faith that was based on the word of God, taking him at his word, and he says, I accounted his belief in what I said as righteousness. So his name is Abram, which means um, father of a multitude. And you're like, I don't have any heirs. I don't have any kids. But you're, my name is Abram, and it means father of a multitude. That's a pretty faithful thing, to have a name like that. You know, he's going around, and I'm sure as he's traveling about, he's like, well, where's the multitude? You know, and he did travel with people, but these were not his children. These were not his heirs, just like we said, uh, Eliezer of Damascus, probably the firstborn born in his house, because he did have a lot of people. In fact, he just got done having a war over here with warriors that were born in his household. So there was a big multitude, but God was saying, no, there's going to be a seed that's coming from your loins and from your wife's uh, womb and this is the one that I'm talking about and he said go outside now and go look did you ever go outside and you know in the desert or in a place where there's not light pollution and just look up at the the stars and there's so many stars in the Milky Way that it's just this band of haze over there this white kind of bright haze and you can count the larger stars but when you get up into that you can see that they're individual or some of them you can see but it just fogs out because there's so many and they say that you know I've heard that you know it sounds like you know just like a saying but they said that it's there's a reality to it that there's more stars in the heavens that they're all sand on the seashores and if you ever grabbed a handful of sand and look at that, that's a lot of sand there. And that's one handful of sand. And that's one beach on Maui. Can you imagine all the beaches? There's more stars up there than that. That's pretty amazing when you think about that. What's more amazing than that 
is that was God's intention. That was his plan. And he says, through this man and his faith and his moving at my word, I want that amount of people. I want that amount of souls. I want that amount of people coming into my kingdom. I'm making a proclamation there. And if we receive it in faith, it's ours. If we can believe it, it's ours. Amen? His name was changed later on to Abraham, and we'll get to that. I want to uh, look at Psalm 147, talking about stars. Isn't it good that he didn't, you know, choose something else to make a comparison with, where there would be more limit on that, on that number? I'm glad that he chose the stars of the heavens. Isaiah... Or Psalm, I'm sorry, Psalm 147. It says, Psalm 147, I read from verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and our praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. He understand, his understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked to the ground. Imagine that, that not only is there that amount of stars up there, but the Lord calls them all by name. That he knows each one of those stars by name. That's, that's just mind-blowing. Then he says that he numbers the hairs of our head. And you think, and is that just kind of metaphorical? I'm, I'm thinking it must be real if he says it, that he can do that. You know, that's how great our God is. And he has a plan for each one of us in this room. Do you ever feel it sometimes when you read the Bible and you feel like maybe you got lost in the shuffle? You know, that might be true for those guys over there. But is that really what your intentions are? Is that what your word is for me? Do you ever feel that way? You know, you go through something and all of a sudden you feel like, I don't know, maybe I fell through the floorboards or something. Or what did God, did God forget about me? And then God does some amazing thing. I mean, I could tell you story after story, you know, of, of the providence of God. God just showing up in the most drastic time. You know, I remember when we were um, in between homes, we just, you know, we're living back on the property that we were called to over there. And the owner of the property was going to do his coffee for him. And he says, I need the house because I need to have family and workers to stay in the cottage that you're living in. And we're like, oh, wow. We haven't rented for years, you know, several years. And the sticker shock of renting a place hit us. And they're like, whoa. And then on the top of that, my wife gets a word from the Lord that says, don't even look for a place. And I go, oh, that's really helpful. <laughs> I said, I, I want to live up in Kula. I want to live up in Kula. You know, it's nice up there. Climate is nice. And yeah, we're going to move away from Haiku. And the, the Lord speaks to her and says, I don't want you watching, looking for a place. Just trust me, I'm going to do this. And you're like, well, that's, that's really sounds like fun. You know, we're, so we're, we're scrambling to get this place, you know, cleaned up and get it in order. And we're clocking down to the time. And then all of a sudden, we don't have a place to move to. And... Uh, a house, actually we stayed with Tammy and Mika for 10 days, they had their cottage open up and we stayed at their place over there for 10 days and at the end of the 10 days we're like, she felt like okay we waited to the end there so now we can start looking, so we started looking and there really wasn't a whole lot out there 
But long story short, we found a place up in Kula that was for sale, and we went up. It was a zero hour on the zero time, and we waited on the Lord, and all of a sudden we got a call back. She goes, we, I came home, and she goes, these people never called us back. I said, well, let's pray. So we prayed, and right after we prayed, the phone rings right there. It says, I want you to come up and look at the place. We go up there. The realtor meets us up there. She goes, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I talked to the, 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 the um, owner of the place. And she said she really likes you. Never met us. Just, you know, she likes you guys. Here's the keys. We don't have to sign it. No, we don't have to sign anything. Just take the house. You got it. And I was like, whoa. So when we trust God, we trust God, we can move in faith that God has a plan. He has us. He knows our address. That was another thing that happened when we moved up to Kula, up to Haiku the first time. The owner of the property had a second address on Kokomo Road. And we went to go pick up our mail, his mail. He said, go check my mail at my uh, box down the road over there and take it down to the office. So we pulled up to his place and I looked at the numbers on his mailbox. It was 2771 Kokomo. And the place that we just had moved to moved from miraculously was 2771 Palalani. And I was just like, that's crazy. It's crazy. Another time that just recently happened to me, I was, my other truck that I had. <laughs> Sorry. My other Toyota truck, and I'm driving around. I shared this story before, but I was there's there's been times it's very strange how God uses the odometer on my truck or on my car to convey something, you know. So it, it was I, I I'm not going to belabor, but there was three other occasions where this took place. But the one that happened with my Toyota truck recently, I had to come over here. I think we had an aquarium at the church at that time, so I was going to come over here and feed the fish. So I'm driving all around. I, there was a roadblock in Haiku. So I had to drive all the way into Haiku Town and then all the way back over here. And I didn't even intend to be here on a Saturday or whatever day it was. I pull up to the place and all the numbers on my uh, odometer are 77777 across. And I even took a picture of it. And it was like providence that God said, this is where I planted this church. This is where I wanted you to be. And it just, it, it, that's happened like the three very, very specific times. And it's weird, but when these things like that take place, it's like, wow, God knows me. He knows where I live. He knows the particulars of our circumstance. And those are small examples of that. But it's just interesting how, you know, you think, okay, yeah, you made that promise to Abraham. Yeah, you're talking about the stars up there. But what about me? Am I included in that? And if you have faith, you are included in that. If you have faith in Christ, you are included in that. And those things will happen. If we have faith, amen? It says uh, this in Isaiah 40. Talking about... You know, we talked about, uh, or Pastor Tasha was talking about Jacob last week. Jacob. What a story. You know, you see this guy, and he goes out there, and he's given a promise by God. It's promised. Uh, uh, there, there's two nations in your womb, and the younger, the older is going to serve the younger. Normally the firstborn is the one who gets the blessing, but the prophecy went out already. And so the mom says, well, let's contrive this plan. And we know how that story goes. And, and he's, a, he's the deceiver. He's the, he's the heel catcher. He's the one who grabbed his brother's heel on the way out as they were born as twins. And so this is his name, Jacob, which means a, he's a deceptive one. He's deceptive. He's the one who's grasping at stuff all the time. 
And uh, I review my life and I think to myself, wow, could I have that sort of a nature at times? Do I have that, that, that way about me? In fact, when I used to do landscaping, I had a friend who used to help me. And for whatever reason, he would call me Jacob. He was like, when we were working, he would call me Jacob and just fooling around. He was a real jokester kind of guy. And one of my customers said, oh, I didn't know your name was Jacob. It's not Jacob. He just calls me Jacob. I don't know. But not a very flattering name also, you know, the deceptive one or the, the grasping one. Huh? But here it says in, in uh, Isaiah 40, 27, it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known or have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord of all creation, the ends of the earth, never faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles that shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait upon the Lord. To wait upon the Lord. You know, it's interesting that I think that what are the characteristics God likes to do is take the weak things of the world to confound the strong things of the world. He says that in his word. You know, he likes to take somebody uh, who's like, well, that'll never amount to anything. And then do something great to them so that the credit can't be on the person who did it. The credit only could go to God. He loves to do that. Amen. And he's looking for those who maybe have come to the end of themselves. Those who've come to the end of their, I don't know what to do. God, you gotta, you know, it's, it's funny how we resort to at times when we come to the end of our rope. And we says, well, I guess we gotta just pray. And, and it's just like that, you know, that's so desperate that we I guess we got to just pray. Or people, a lot of times when you hear them say that, well, we just prayed, like that was like a weak thing or something. But in reality, it's this thing that we should do first. We should, but because of our nature, I think, we like to try to exhaust all possibilities and then we'll pray to God. It's just like Jacob, when he was coming back, now he just... He, he stole the birthright, which his brother didn't esteem. You know, the Bible makes that clear. He didn't esteem it. He didn't really look at that blessing as that big of a deal. But when it happened, it finally came down to it. He realized, this is not good. My brother ripped me off. And so his mom says, you better get out of here. Go to where my relatives are and go find a wife over there. But get out of here because your brother is angry. And so he goes off and he gets cheated on his first wife and he has to say I think it's a, a I think it's around 20 years I could be wrong but around 20 years he was gone and then finally he's called back he's going to go back to the land where it says God's going to bless me in this land so he's like okay I'm going to go back and as he's going over there with this multitude of a family and all these herds and this and that he's coming back and he's afraid he's thinking is my brother going to receive me or is he going to kill me what's he going to do and so he contrives, he's thinking to himself, what do I do, man? I don't know. I'm going I'm to break them up into different herds and I'm going to send them in for... And who are these people? It says, this is from, this is from uh, Jacob, your brother. And this is, this is a blessing that's coming. And this is yours. And he's using his natural thinking in order to get to this situation, which I think we all do that. We go to the natural, what, what, what is my, how can I uh, craft this situation? What can I do to make it happen, make it work? 
And so he's there, and then like Pastor Tasha talks, he says, a man, he's over there, he's probably stressing. Stressing out, man, thinking about what's my brother going to do? He's going to kill my family, he's going to take my flocks, whatever. And he's wrestling, this man comes and he wrestles with him all night. Wrestle. Anybody ever wrestled? You have a brother or you used to play around as a kid or you've even been on a wrestling team and you wrestle? That's tiring, man. You know, even, even you think about that. Uh, one of the probably those who are into mixed martial arts, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it's always like, okay, they're, they're doing this and that, but they're going to go down to the mat and that's where it really takes place right there. And then you bend the guy's arm until he taps out. You know, it's brutal. But it's like, it's getting down to the essence of it. It's grappling. It's fighting, to, you know, to the core. And so he's fighting with this angel all night, all night. And he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And he tells him, he says, your name is Jacob, but you have prevailed, prevailed with man and with God. From now on, your name is going to be Israel, which means prince with God. You've prevailed in this. And he did bless him. And these things were prophesied. It was, it was, it was just coming into uh, fruition now. And he was receiving the blessing. But it's interesting, as you read the word, you, you, you hear the name Israel, but then he's also refer, referred to as Jacob, because I think we all have this dual nature where we flip back and forth from the usurper and the, the schemer, and then we flip back to the prince with God. We're prevailing with God, and we're going back and forth of our nature. But it's interesting, when God has an encounter with somebody, how he changes their name. How he changes our name. So what's in a name? What about if God said something about you? I remember, Pastor Rob, that you're here this morning. And I told you this when we, we meet. I said years ago, when I wasn't in fellowship, and I was filling up gas up in cool. I don't know if I was doing my business at that time. And I wasn't in fellowship. And when you're not in fellowship, you don't want to meet other Christians. You're kind of just like kind of hide out in the shadows. So he kind of snuck up behind me. He goes, is that Jay Freitas, the mighty man of God? And I go, I had to look around, was it? And yet, a word spoken like that. And it resonates in your heart. And you realize that's who I'm supposed to be. That's who I'm supposed to be. And a man of God recognize something in you and speak it. Or David McDonald give a prophetic word. And we think to ourselves, what if? What if that is true? What if that's what God thinks about me? What if that's what God sees in me? And we elevate our vision. So what's in a name? Even if maybe your classmates called you a loser. Or your friends turn around and call you whatever. But what does God say about us? That is what matters. It doesn't matter what people say. It matters what God says about us. Amen? Amen. People can talk. They can call you all kinds of stuff. But what does God say about you? What does God say about you? And Pastor Tyler, you said it this morning. Do we have the audacity to believe what God says over what we know about our past? Over what we know about our, 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 our present condition? And say, but if God said this, if God be for me, who's going to be against me? If God didn't withhold his only son, what good thing would he withhold from me if I have the audacity to lay claim to that? And say, Lord, I'm not Jacob. I'm Israel. I'm a prince with God. I'm a son of God. 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you said so and you paid the price to make that claim. And I lay claim to it. Amen? It, amen for that. I mean, if it was based on our performance, it's a pretty sad story. But because it was based upon a promise given to Abraham, he says, this is what I'm going to do. Through this seed, through your act of faith, Abraham, through this, I'm going to send a seed and it's going to open up this reality to all humankind, to those who would receive it by faith. I'm opening it up. And we receive it by faith and we walk by faith and we, it's not about our performance. And it elevates us and it lifts up our head when we maybe screw up or we do, we're just like, man, I'm not living up to my name. And then we read this in the Word and says, but man, what is His perspective on me already? He says it already sees us seated in the heavenly places. Are we amongst the stars already as far as God is concerned? You ever think about the things that are attained here in this world? You know, you, you see um, these people and, and it's like a, a flash. And they'll do whatever to attain to that notoriety here and now. And then I saw something recently, you know, when you go, on a, you go down to um, Hollywood Boulevard, which my wife was not very impressed with when we went down there. She goes, this place is dirty, man. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and they have all these stars on the, on the Walk of Fame over there. And then I just saw recently somebody out there with a jackhammer and jackhammering these things out from these stars, probably from the silent movie era. And who knows these people? Nobody would remember them anymore. But yet back in their day, I was a star. Look at my name. There was probably a big hula-la about that and red carpet and lights and everything. And they're putting their handprints down or whatever they did, you know, to put their star down there on the, on the sidewalk. Now they're jackhammering the thing out. But if your name is written in the book of life, Hallelujah. it says that we will shine like the stars forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen? That's a much better place to be a star in God's heavens, to be attaining to that. To have attained that in Christ, it says we're already seated in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and anything here on this earth. That's how God sees us already. It's with us to adjust our brain to say, that's my identity. That's how God sees me. That's my name. My name is no longer this. I'm there. And in fact, it's a promise in the book of Revelation that the Lord is going to give each one of us when we see him face to face. He says he's going to give us a white stone with a new name written on it that only we know. Isn't that interesting? Is it going to be part of our nature that only God and us know together? It says, here's your new, this is your name. This is the name that I know you by. Amazing. It says in Isaiah 41, it says, But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendant of Abraham, my friend, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will let hold you with my righteous right hand. Hallelujah. That's a great scripture right there. Great to memorize that. I've shared this story many times. But when I was going through all the surgeries to, after I crushed my hand, and it seemed like my whole world just fell apart. The whole plan that I had 
you know, being financially independent and doing your thing and, you know, whatever. And God says, well, I don't want you to be financially independent. I want you to be dependent on me, is what he wanted. And I didn't realize that because it was just like, but this is what I want, God. I'm going to be somebody. And all of a sudden, my whole world is crumbling around us. And I'm telling the doctors while I'm going through these surgeries, while I still had all my fingers before I had skin grout, or, you know, just going through the surgery, God's going to heal me. And He's going to heal me in a week because that's all I can be away from my business. And so I'm going through surgery, and the, the news is worse, and the doctor is a hand specialist. He says, well, this is, a, this is a serious injury, and this is a year worth of surgery. And I go, well, for your average Joe, that would probably be the case. But because I have faith in God, I'm going to be out of here in a week. You watch, man. It, it's going to be a miraculous intervention, and God's going to do this. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. It crashed and burned. And I was, and, 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 and I'm going, and, and, and it's like getting worse. And it's like, well, we're going to take this. We're going to graft your hand under your stomach. We're going to take skin from your stomach on there because you lost a blood vessel and you lost nerve damage. And we got to keep that, that skin alive on there. And then, so I got a scar across my stomach. Now my hand's attached to my stomach. Oh, your finger atrophied on there. We're going to have to chop it off now. So I lose a finger. And it's just like, when is this going to end? Well, we can take a nerve out of your foot and we can try to graft it. I said, no, no more. I'm done. And so I'm asking the Lord about this. I'm at home and I'm in depression. And I go, God, why? Why didn't you heal me? I had faith when I still had an intact hand, but now this hand is messed up. I don't think I have the faith to believe that this hand could be whole at this point. Why didn't you heal me at that point? And he said, do you want to know why? That's what I'm asking. I want to know why. He goes, because I want, in your weakness, I want to become your right hand. I want to become your strength in your weakened condition. And when he said that, that's audacity to even believe that God would say that. But I wouldn't even venture to believe something like that. So I know it came from God. And I said, thank you, Lord. And it made that bitter pill that much easier to swallow. It still was hard. But it made it, okay, there's a, there's a method to this bandness here. There's something going on here. God, you're doing something. Because I tell you, I felt abandoned. I felt forsaken of God. And I don't want to blame God. Because I was pretty rebellious. But He turned this mess of my life, and He made something of it. And He took my weakened condition, and He uses me in His strength, hopefully, and I think that that's available to all of us when we submit to God, when we surrender. And that's where Jacob actually won. The, the kingdom is, the way that we win is we surrender. We stop fighting God and just says, all right, God. I remember somebody who wrote, wrote a book years ago. I remember, I think it was on Merv Griffin or I don't know, it was that old. That, you guys don't even know who that is. But it was like, you can't fight God because your arms are too short. He wrote a book like that. And we can't. We can't fight God. So we just surrender. Okay, God, what is it that you want? What do you want from me? And when we do that, it's like a Polaroid and the picture gets a little bit clearer. And we wait upon the Lord and it will strengthen us in our weakness. You know, life goes on and things happen and we still grapple. 
We still grapple with things. We grapple with issues. We grapple and we're, we're, we're striving. And then there's, there's a place we got to come to. It says, God, you got the plan for this. And we have to surrender. We have to just say, you take it from here, Lord. It's a strange feeling at times when that takes place. It's like, I, I've said it before, it's like you're driving down the freeway and then God says, well, take your feet off, uh, take, your, take your hands off the wheel and just trust me, I'll guide the car. And you're like, oh, you sure? And so you're like this, you're driving and you're like trying to grab the wheel. Okay, now, this is the second step of this. Keep your foot on the accelerator, do 60, get your hands off the wheel and then let me put this blindfold over your face. What? That's how it's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel right at times. But we can trust God. We can believe that we're in communication with Him. Lord, I'm trusting you. And the, the way that a lot of times that you can navigate that sort of situation is look in the rearview mirror and say, well, we made it this far. And we got to look back and think about the things that God has delivered us through, has brought us through. And say he's been faithful here, 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 here. And there's no indicator that he's not going to be faithful down there. Right. Amen. I think that we're all going to be living where this, what I'm saying, is going to become very, very important. You know, Pastor Tali mentioned something that says, when you begin to see these things, look up, lift up your head. I was going to preach on that. I'm going to preach on that a million times already. I'm not going to do that. What, Lord, what is... So I was grappling with the Lord this morning. I was, I was wrestling. Thank you, Jody, for the prayers. Because I was, I was grappling, man. I was like, what am I going to preach about? Pastor Rob, one of these days I will attain to what you said. And you said it's been, tra it's been transformative in your life to chronicle out a sermon series or do something ahead of time and my bad is this do I have faith for that I've done studies before or I got a message early in the week and I go this is great I'm done with my, with my sermon already and then Sunday morning rolls around I go ah oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, there's no anointing on this what am I going to do and that's my fear. <laughs> but I know what you're saying is true because I've done it before where it's mapped it out and God's anointing is there. We just have to trust Him for that. Amen? And God is faithful. God is faithful. God is always faithful. Like it was said before, if it ain't good, God's not pow. He's not done yet. That's right. It's, you know, it's interesting that you say that. Because one of the things that he did, Jacob was like, I'm not going to release you. This Christophany, or this pre-incarnate, Christ incarnated at Bethlehem. That's where Christ actually took on a body of flesh. And that was something that took place that never had taken place in all of eternity. But he did come and visit his creation. He visited Abraham when he told him, about this time next year, you're gonna uh, uh, your wife's going to conceive. He also met Joshua as he was going to go conquer the land. He says, who are you? As the, the captain of the Lord of the hosts. And he bows down and he worships him. So there's times where uh, Christ comes in, but at this particular point, he's a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ. More like an angelic kind of thing. We don't really know. But he's there and he's wrestling. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. 
And he says, I, I'm going to bless you. But he touched the hip, touched his hip, and he shrunk the muscle there. And it says that Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. There's things that we go through, and there's scars that we bear that showed that we've been through something that shapes our character. It's not always pleasant. I remember, you know, when I was done with all my surgeries in my hand, you know, because this is a skin graft, and my doctor, Dr. Galbit, says, man, I could have done a better job, but that's as much as Kaiser is going to pay for. That's it. And so my hand, you know, it looks swollen. Everybody says, well, what happened? You got stung by a bee? Why is your hand swollen? I go, ah, man, I don't want to, you know, even to shake somebody's hand. Sometimes people shake my hand, and they recoil, like, ugh, that's a weird hand. And I go, I know, I know, man. And, um, so I used to wrap it with an ace bandage. And one of our friends who, you know, this guy became pretty successful as, as, the, as the world standard. And went to, he came and visited us. who was standing down at Kanapali. And he saw me, my hand wrapped. We were down at the beach and we were going to go swimming. And he goes, he, we we're going to go swimming. So I unwrapped it. He goes, so you, you, there's nothing wrong with that hand. You just wrap it. He said, yeah, I don't like the way it looks. So I just wrap it. He goes, you know what? You should be proud of that hand that you've been through something. Our scars prove that we've been through something. The scars that we bear, those things that have marred us, have marked us. It says, man, I've, I lived life. I've been through things. And God has got us through it. Amen. There's either external or it can be internal scars that nobody sees. But we trust the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord, He'll renew us with wings of eagles. Those who um, need strength, he will be our strength. Amen. In closing, I just want to say, you know, what is our identity? What is our identity in Christ? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is the one who says that we're justified, who is he who says we're not justified if we've received it in faith? The moment that we became born again, it says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God, we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If that's what God says about us, that's what we need to identify with. That we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That if we're following after Him in faith, that we're a friend of God. There is no longer enmity. There's no longer a warfare going on. But I'm at peace with God because He removed that middle wall of separation. He removed those things that were separated. He took away the things that brought separation and brought wholeness and reconciliation. That's who we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.